0: It's pretty remarkable that a bunch of people can come together and sit together in silence for quite a while and be with each other in that way, in this gentle rain. Um, It's often said that the Dharma uh, penetrates us like a gentle rain, sometimes called the Dharma rain, and it falls on everyone equally. High, low, or middle realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, the rain falls on us all equally. So sometimes in the Rinzai tradition, they say that awakening happens as a thunderbolt, um, and sometimes it can happen that way. But in our tradition, it's more like being out in a, in a misty morning, morning after morning after morning, and then getting soaked. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're soaked by the Dharma. And so that's, that's our practice, to come together, to create what we call a Dharma field together. It doesn't happen unless you actually show up and create this sitting place together connecting with each other in silence deep bond can happen in silence perhaps even more more deeply than if we just kind of chatter away so much appreciation for showing up in this dharma rain and allowing yourself to be wet <laughs> to be soaked <clears throat> we are still focusing our attention on the Loving Kindness Sutra, and the title for today's talk is "Easily Contented." I visit the Rockview Prison every Wednesday at one o'clock, and there, there are ten beautiful inmates who practice Zazen together with me. And <clears throat> this past week, there is one inmate, his name is Dozier, for Bulldozer. <laughs> 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 and they all have, they all have nicknames. Like Dozier and TikTok mm-hmm. and um, Mango and Trigger, mm-hmm. so I try to respect. Uh, I try to call them by the, their nicknames, but this one Dozier is uh, typically. I I'm not sure why he even attends, but he does, and. When we have our discussions, uh, this particular week, I asked them to see if they can remember something that they did during the week that relieved someone's suffering. And, and many of them had, uh, one of them works in the prison library, and he helps people choose books. And he feels very good about that. Uh, there was another one whose cellmate uh, had a baby that passed away on birth. And this he, he comforted uh, this cellmate of his. And then there was another one who took a sweeping job from someone who wasn't feeling well. Uh, so there were a lot of sharings about things that people, that they did to... Relieve the suffering of somebody uh, in the prison. But Dozier, Dozier sat there like this, and when it came his turn to share, I have nothing to say. Grumpy, I have nothing to say. And he just kind of sat there through the whole sharing with his arms. Oh, maybe you can relate to this, Josh, I don't know, with his arms uh, folded like this. And nine of them were just beautifully uh, expressing their concern for their fellow inmates. And my attention went completely to Dozier. Uh, there was, he was not content. He was sitting there like this. And even though everyone else was forthcoming and caring and sharing, I couldn't stop focusing on... You know, this often happens when I'm giving a Dharma talk and everybody is dying. But there's somebody in the, in the group that's going, you know, kind of looking around and being restless. And of course my attention goes right to that, to that person. So there is, I'm going to say, there is power in discontentment. If, if you are not content people pay attention to you. If you express your discontentment, they pay attention to you. As a matter of fact, our culture relies on discontentment. Without the absence of contentment, we would probably not be purchasing stuff, as much stuff as we do. We would not want the next iPhone or the, the most fashionable shoes or whatever is the current, you've got to have this, because what you have is, is obsolete. So there is a, 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 a pervasive sense of discontentment that runs our lives. And you can see what power it has in your own life with your own discontentment and your focus on those who are around you who are expressing a lack of contentment. It just so happens that one of the inmates is a, a, a 76-year-old Vietnamese man, no idea why he's there, he's the sweetest thing, um, he is actually the, his teacher in Vietnam was Thich Nhat Hanh's brother, so, and he calls me his big sister, um, and he, he's very much like Thich Nhat Hanh. And I, I regard my presence in that inmate group as his student because he, re, he, saw, he saw Dozier's discontent. And he, when it came his turn to speak, he spoke about how he was sharing food with one of, one of the um, inmates at his, in the dining hall <clears throat> who seemed to be hungrier than what was served. And he he kind of scolded Dozier, saying, Look at look at you, look at us. We are fed, we are housed, we don't have to worry about finding a place to live. We are fed three meals a day we have privacy kind of sort of we're kind of safe we're in a protected environment what more what what more could one want in terms of being content he said i was was in the vietnam war and i was actually starving during a period of my life and now I'm fed every day. I know what it feels like to be starving. Of course, everybody... Dozier wasn't particularly impressed by this. <laughs> but who knows how he, how he responded after our, our gathering was over. But it was very clear that there was a case made by... Actually, the Vietnamese man wants to be called John. (laughs) So he was, John made a case for contentment under circumstances that were, you could say, not the happiest, right? These individuals were, this is a uh, medium uh, security prison, so... Their lives were quite regimented, and quite uh, they're isolated from from the rest of society. They're kind of a, call them a forgotten population. <clears throat> and he made a case that it's possible to be contented, even though you're not happy. That's kind of an interesting idea. Is it possible to be content and yet not happy? Is it possible to be content and be in pain? Is it possible to be content and be poor? Is it possible to be content to be filthy rich and living a luxurious life. So the meaning of contentment here has nothing to do with the content of your life, whether you're happy, whether all your wishes are being fulfilled, or whether none of your wishes are being fulfilled. It simply has to do with being settled in the way things are. Being settled in the way things are. So here are some questions, more questions. Are you content with what you have and not wishing that you had more or less or something different? Are you content with what you are doing and not wishing for doing anything else? Are you content to be where you are and not wishing to be anywhere else? Are you content to be with the people that you're with and not wishing you, you were with other people, different people? Are you content with who you are And not wishing to be someone else. Someone better. Someone different. Buddha says that the Dharma is for those with few wishes. And there are what might be called Obstructions to contentment, killers of contentment, killers of being settled with what is. If you are comparing yourself to others, contentment is going to be difficult because there's going to be competition. And you're going to be measure, measuring, constantly measuring yourself against the standards of, that others are setting. So, comparing is a contentment killer. Complaining is a contentment killer, it should be obvious. It's a kind of develops what we call a negativity negativity, bias, the more you, you, you begin to develop a, uh, a critical mind. So whatever you're looking at, you see the negative about it. And that's it's hard to become content when you're always seeing something that's not right, that you want to be different. If you're ambitious that's a kind of contentment killer because you're always looking for the next rung on the ladder. As Donald Trump once said, enough is not in my vocabulary. Enough is not in my vocabulary. Ambition. And being conceited is a contentment killer because you think you deserve more than you have you are entitled you feel entitled to something different or something more so these are probably lots more than those but those are sort of obvious ones There is a creature in Buddhist lore, Buddhist cosmology, which many of you may have heard about, and that creature is called the Hungry Ghost. Have you heard about the Hungry Ghost? This is a being that inhabits the hell realms, And the hell realms are really internal internal for the most part. This is a creature who has a very big belly and a very narrow gullet. So this creature is hungry all the time. Something is missing. Something is... I'm not content. I'm hungry. And yet, this creature tries to satisfy that big belly. And there's just like little tiny trickles that can come down that gullet. So it's always feeling empty, wanting, striving, unhappy, discontent, because there's this big hunger and a very narrow way to satisfy that hunger. Wow, what a hell to be living in when you're constantly wanting and nothing is ever satisfying. You can't, you can't ever fill it. Material possessions don't do it uh friends don't do it maybe the dharma does it i think maybe we have a, a possibility there but it seems nothing is enough i think the rolling stones had a had a song about this called don't get no satisfaction <laughs> right? and i try and i try and i try and i try And I don't get no satisfaction. That's the life of the hungry ghost. So, contentment perhaps is expressed in being still. The hungry ghost is restless, just, you know, where where can I get this satisfaction? I try here and I try here and I try here and I ain't got no satisfaction. So it's always ranging around and trying to find something that will satisfy. So stillness is just stopping is a kind of, okay, I'm settled. I'm not looking for anything more. I'm settled in what is. And so stillness is not needing anything beyond. Anything beyond what you have, where you are, who you're with, and what you're doing. Hmm, that sounds a lot like zazen, isn't it? Settling, sitting down, being where you are, with, with whom you are, just being yourself, not experiencing any particular wanting, just shikantaza, just sitting. So perhaps we can say that our practice is the practice of contentment. When you are sitting shikantaza, that's it. I'm content. So we could go from um, contentment, which is just settling into what is, to we say, may all beings be happy. We think about happiness. Sometimes thinking about happiness and contentment being the same, and they're not. You could say happiness is the fulfillment of all your wishes. Everything that you wish will make you happy if all those are fulfilled. But in our sutra, it says, May all beings be happy, may they be joyous. So we've got contentment, we've got happiness. And then we have joy. And I'm going to suggest that joy is different from happiness and contentment. Whereas if, content, if happiness is fulfillment of all your wishes, then joy is freedom from wishing. Or as the Buddha says having few wishes, but just being with what is. So joy is a freedom. It's not an accumulated thing like happiness. You get all this wonderful stuff and all your wishes are, your, all your dreams come true. That's not joy and that's not happiness and certainly not contentment. But joy is being freed. So much in our practice is not about having, but about letting go. And certainly, I suspect that most of us learn how to, to get more than we learn how to let go. I'm even thinking about... We, we learn to get before we, we learn to get to let go, right? I'm, I'm thinking about even a baby... You know, when, when we play with a baby, the baby just, we put our finger there and the baby grasps. And we, we, we think, oh, how wonderful. <laughs> you know, that baby has a really good grip. There is very early on. So our, our tendency is to keep projecting wishes more, better, all the self help books, you know, it's all about something's wrong, something is, I'm not content, i got to do this, that, and the other thing. So the sutras not only says that we're practicing contentment, but easily contented, easily contented. That is, we are available to whatever presents itself to us. Whatever is given to us, we're easily contented with it. And maybe we even regard it as a gift. And we're, sometimes we talk in our practice about being a good host or hostess. Yes, welcome. Welcome all the things that present themselves. Even if painful, even if you're in prison, you can be content. There's a very, very profound practice. Because most of us are not easily contented. We're very demanding. I want it to be this way. I have my values. I have my my ambitions, I have my desires so we're not easily contented like Dozier you know try to make me contented and so we got we get focused and I certainly was focused and so was this lovely Vietnamese prisoner it's a a power discontent and so we're not we don't want to give up that power because people pay attention. they try to make us contented. Right? And they pay attention to us. And that's a form of power. So it's not easy. If you're contented, people pretty much ignore you. Right? And that's the ego doesn't like that. So we find something to complain about. Something to be wiggling about. Beyond the the joy of contentment, for our practice, which is the Mahayana Soto practice, in which the Bodhisattva, that being who helps other people helps all beings, postpones his or her enlightenment in order to serve all beings, to bring all beings with them to awakening. One of the bonuses of being contented is that you can help others. When I was going through a very difficult time in my life, I was really unavailable to helping other people. I was so self-involved. How do I get out of this horrible situation? And I was completely completely focused on my own life and my own emotional well-being. And I can remember the moment when I thought to myself, you know, I have actually reached a point where I am available to other people because I have settled into what my life is and who I am and what I'm doing. And that was such a liberating moment when for example, with my with my daughter, you know she, she needed attention, and I couldn't give it. I wanted, I wanted all that attention from her because I was struggling. But it was that moment when I thought, "You know, I can actually help her now because I'm okay. I'm not so self-absorbed." and so the the Bodhisattva. One of the prerequisites of the Bodhi, for the bodhisattva way, for the bodhisattva life, is contentment. So we, we actually will have a very difficult time serving others and being available to others if we don't cultivate contempt, contentment. And that is what we're doing on our cushions. So the Rolling Stones have another teaching in another one of their songs. And it goes, you can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you might find what? That you get what you need. And oh yeah, oh yeah. do that.